you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we are now officially into week three. Man, how time flies. We had an interesting Thursday night football game. We will talk about that a little bit later on in the show. We'll also give you some of our best value picks for those of you playing daily fantasy football. And another edition of Ask a Nerd. We'll also bring in, of course, our normal Friday co-host, Michael F. Florio. But before we do all of that, we'll talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy, Esquire. Murph, I know you're probably not excited about the Giants, but is there something football-wise you are excited about this weekend? Um, yeah, well, I mean, quickly, I mean, obviously, uh, my Giants are playing your uh, your Niners here, and I think the Giants, mm-hmm. for starters, are going to be definitely a pass-heavy team uh, the rest of the way. So that's uh, definitely interesting. I mean, we have Mahomes versus uh, Lamar Jackson this week. So, I mean, that's, that's as good as it really can get for uh, NFL fans. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, we've had some good quarterback matchups early on. I mean, I know the – the Brady Breeze matchup, you know, sort of flopped, you know, compared to what we expected. But then last week, Cam versus Russell was fantastic, and now this week we've, we've got the we got Mahomes versus Lamar. So no, you were right, Eddie. That is, and that's the way they what the end of the week. That's the Monday night game too. So right, uh, that's going to be something Brian really special. exciting to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely something to look forward to coming up this weekend. All right, let us bring in our normal Friday co-host. It is the one and only Michael F. Florio. Florio, good to see you as always. Uh, how are we feeling after that TNF game last night? Good to see you, Marcus, but I'm not feeling great after that game. I was really <laughs> excited for last night's game. I was excited for Gardner Minshew, and that just kind of all flopped. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, We will get to that in just a moment. But yes, the Thursday night football game between the Dolphins and the Jaguars had a lot of folks excited, right? The Jags had looked kind of interesting the first two weeks. We were curious to see what the Dolphins would bring. Uh, Miami pretty much dominated that game. They win 31 to 13. So let's look at some of the top scores, starting off with James Robinson, who was a name we talked about a lot in the past week. And he was maybe the only guy that really delivered up to our expectations. Uh, you see that the 46 rushing yards, 83 receiving yards on six catches, had a pair of rushing touchdowns as well. I mean, this is a guy that no one knew his name about a month ago until the Jaguars said they were letting go of Leonard Fournette. Now he is the hottest free agent in fantasy football. So, I mean, how are we ranking him? RB2, low and, low and RB1, do we get crazy? I mean, where, where are we putting him? I think as of right now, high-end RB2 is where I'm comfortable, but I think that he can continue to work his way up into the RB1 territory. To me, I mean, he finishes the RB9 in Week 2. I think he's going to be a top 5 back, definitely a top 10 back in Week 3 after what he did last night. To me, the biggest thing was the fact that the receiving yards, the catches, like they were using him in the passing game, and I had thought that role would go to Chris Thompson. So if, if Robinson is continuing to see that pass game usage like he – he did last night. I think he can work his way into RB1 territory, which 
just two weeks ago would have been completely wild to say. <laughs> right? Absolutely. You mentioned Chris Thompson, too. The one thing I did notice, though, was late in that ball game, there was heavy Chris Thompson as the Jaguars were playing from behind and throwing the football to try to come back. So I, I guess he still does have a role. I suspect this won't be the last time this year that the Jags are, are sort of trying to play catch up in the third and fourth quarter. So maybe Chris Thompson's there. But James Robinson has has locked himself in as the top running back in Jacksonville. And I think whatever happens uh, with Recall Armstead, with Devino Zigbo, uh, Florio, I, I just don't see James Robinson giving this job up considering the way he's played the first three weeks. Yeah, unless something happens to him or his play completely falls off a cliff, like he has to be the guy that they continue to use going forward there. I, I don't see anyone else taking that job from him, not the way he's played these first three weeks. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, so then at the quarterback spot, there was a guy with facial hair that we were all excited to see. And then it ended up being the other guy that actually had the good game. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 160 passing yards, a pair of passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown for Fitzmagic as well. There it is. Uh, let's not forget, he was the Dolphins' leading rusher in 2019. So, you know, it, it was – I don't know what to say about Ryan Fitzpatrick because we've seen this sort of all before, right? He'll get you some nice games. He'll have some games where he just completely craters. But after what he did last night – does this have any impact on the Dolphins turning things over to Tua Tagovailoa, or is this just sort of, you know, a, a typical Fitzpatrick game and things are on track for Tua anyway? I think that it, it does delay Tua just a little bit because there's incentive for the, the Dolphins not to rush him along. He had that serious hip injury in college. He had to have the surgery uh, for the dislocated hips. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Tua until – you know, November-ish on the in the schedule because right now, like, Fitzpatrick, he, he has them looking competitive. That defense looked a lot better last night than it did the first two weeks. They added a lot of pieces. So I think if Fitzpatrick can keep them competitive, they'll continue to ride with him, especially because, I mean, the, the players in Miami there just seem to love him so much, and he's just having a good time. So there's reason there for fans to root for him, that the players around him seem to like him, and they don't have to rush two of them. That's maybe the biggest thing is if, if you are the Dolphins, you don't want to rush to it. You, you, you're sort of playing with house money. No one expects you to you know, be a playoff team this year. You don't have that pressure to go win right away. In some respects, maybe that's a reason to put Tua in. But in, in another respect, it's, hey, we, we can sort of wait on this guy, especially if you know, every now and then we get some good performances out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, and he does things like he did last night and help us win the ballgame. So I, I understand it. I think fantasy-wise – Part of me, I, I'll say this, as a football fan, I want to see Tua. I want to see him get on the field and play and see what he can do in the NFL. For fantasy, we sort of know what we have with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and maybe it's okay to sort of stick with that because we know he's going to feed Devontae Parker. He's going to feed Preston Williams. Uh, we know all these things, and so uh, that maybe gives us a little bit more comfort. All right. Let's just get this out of the way. We all were big on Gardner Minshew this week. It didn't matter uh, what outlet you were you were reading or listening to, you know, any number of shows on this network, uh, this podcast, other podcasts and other written outlets. Everybody <laughs> loved Gardner Minshew this week against the Miami Dolphins. And then on Thursday morning, I just had this weird feeling and I just tweeted that you know, with all the Minshew hype on the timeline, things are just going to go sideways tonight, aren't they? And they did. Gardner Minshew 
275 passing yards in that Thursday night loss, but had an interception, could have had two interceptions, uh, lost a fumble. It was just a miserable night for Gardner Minshew, just barely cracked double-digit fantasy points. Simple question, man. What happened? I just think everything went wrong for Minshew, and and the hype was definitely overblown. Like I'm someone who, coming into the year, I really liked Minshew, and I – Drafted him on a lot of teams, so I was, you know, starting him last night. But even I was like, this hype seems like it's getting a little bit too much after just two <laughs> weeks for Minshew. And then last night, the wheels just kind of fell off. I, I don't think it's something that I'm worried about too much going forward because DJ Shark was out. His O-lineman got ejected, I think, for a, a questionable ejection there. Chris Conley happened. I mean, what was Chris Conley <laughs> doing last night? Uh, was he playing for the Dolphins secretly? I don't know. There was a pass interference on what would have been an easy touchdown pass for him if D.D. Westbrook held on to it. So just everything went wrong. And Minshew, though, also did not play great himself. Without Shark there, he wasn't really throwing the ball downfield much. Everything was just, like, really short passes. He was throwing more to his running backs than ever, So at least than ever this season in the two weeks prior. So I, I didn't like what I saw to Minshew, but it's not something that has me, like, panicking about him moving forward. Yeah, I think that's maybe the biggest thing is, you know, where do we what do we think about him going forward? And one thing I think it showed us is how much DJ Chark means to that offense and what they need him for. If for no other reason than to open things up for other people. Uh, we, we didn't see as much LaVisca Chenault as we thought we would have. Keelan Cole had a couple of catches here and there, but he was not a big part of it. I mean, they peppered Chris Conley with targets really to no great success. He had a couple of really bad drops. He had an offensive pass interference. It was just kind of a, a rough night generally for Chris Conley. So you hope that when DJ Chark comes back in, things get a little bit better. They've got a good matchup next week too. They play the Bengals next week. So you can still sort of go back to the well, although I do imagine the Minshew hype will be somewhat muted next week just because of what happened. Uh, look, I, I know that I got it in my mentions. I'm sure a lot of people got it in their mentions about, hey, you guys hyped Minshew and what happened. Hey, look, <laughs> I will raise my hand on this one, right? Like, it was a swing and a miss for a lot of us. If it makes some of you feel better, I started Minshew in a couple of places. So uh, I am feeling the pain a little bit on this Friday morning as well. So understand that, yeah, hey, this is uh, this is sort of how things go. Uh it's the weirdness of football, right? If we knew 100%, uh, fantasy football wouldn't be as fun. Miles Gaskin has stepped up, and he is the lead running back in Miami. This is the third straight week he has been you know, something close to a workhorse in the Miami offense. He had 95 scrimmage yards. Uh, but what do we do with him? Because he's doing all this work, and then they get down near the goal line, and Jordan Howard comes in and scores the touchdown. It is it is maddening, and so for you, I mean, how do you how do you evaluate and project Miles Gaskin going forward? I still have Gaskin as a like on that borderline of like being a RB two or a flex option each week. Uh, last night was the perfect. It was a good great matchup for him. You can run on the Jaguars defense. We saw that last night. It was also great game script from him. The, the Dolphins were playing with a multiple score lead for pretty much the entire game. So it led to him getting the 22 carries. The five targets is great to see because I really thought that that role was going to go to Matt Breida. But not only did Jordan Howard steal the touchdown, he had two carries inside the two-yard line. One, he got stuffed, and then he got stuffed on both of them. And then they went to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So (laughs) until he starts getting those goal line carries, 
I think he's more in that RB2 slash flex range. I, I tweeted after he scored the touchdown last night. He's on pace for uh, 16 touchdowns and about 50 rushing yards. I mean, you see that, right? Three <laughs> carries, one yard and a touchdown. And that has sort of been what his lines have been this season. I mean, coming into last night, he was playing about eight or nine snaps a game. He was generally getting the ball. When Jordan Howard was is on the field, they're giving him the football. So there's no decoy with Jordan Howard, right? If you're a defense, you see him on the field, chances are they are running the ball with him, but he's not getting you kind of any kind of yardage. You Even the touchdowns aren't making it worth putting him in your lineup because, you know, He's getting he's getting you six, seven, eight points a week. It's just not sustainable. I have started dropping him in any number of places. It just doesn't make sense to hold on to Jordan Howard considering what he's doing. But I mean, Florio, all he's doing, as you mentioned, is sort of messing things up for Miles Gaskin. Like just let Miles Gaskin do his thing. And then as for Matt Breida, I, I, Florio, I mean, I just can't imagine he's he doesn't have any fantasy value right now, right? Because he's in between. He's not getting the touches of Gaskin. He's not getting the touchdowns of Howard. I can't imagine there's any reason to keep him on a roster. Yeah, he's a player that I drafted a good amount of in the double-digit rounds this year, and I've just I've cut him everywhere because, like you said, the touches aren't there. He's not even getting the goal line touches. Like Jordan Howard is that like old-school touchdown vulture that we used to have to worry about, you know, years ago. That's back now, but Matt Breida doesn't even have that role. I, I wouldn't want to have either one of them on any of my fantasy rosters. Yeah, and like where you were drafting Matt Breida in a lot of spots, I was drafting Jordan Howard. It seems we have both given up on that dream. And Miles Gaskin, he's the guy there in Miami. So that's uh, if you're looking for running back help, that is a good place to go. Time now to look at some fantasy news as we head into the third Sunday of the NFL season. Anthony Lynn has announced that Justin Herbert will start week three against Carolina. Right now, Tyrod Taylor still dealing with the effects of a punctured lung after he got an injection, a painkilling injection for some cracked ribs there. Uh, Herbert looked pretty good last week in the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. This week, he's got a good matchup against the Carolina Panthers. How many guys would you start Herbert over this week? How many guys would you bench in favor of him? There, it might be more than you you would originally think because he did have a really good game last week, but I have him as QB 18 this week. Wow. Um, first of all, I've never heard a head coach talk out against a rookie making his first start in such a tough matchup more than Anthony Lynn kind of talked <laughs> about Herbert this week. So that, there's that. But also my fear in this game is, the Panthers' defense allows more more fantasy points to running backs than anyone, and it's not even close. So I just have some concern that they're just going to run the ball all over them. The Panthers actually allow the second-fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. I'm not sure that's a testament to how good their secondary is. I think it's more about that teams can just run all over them. So as you mentioned, with Herbert playing pretty well last week, the one thing he did, I thought, very well was go downfield, something that we haven't seen from Tyrod Taylor. With him at quarterback this week, how much does that change how you feel about you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, any of those pass catchers in the Charger offense? Yeah, I thought Keenan Allen was the biggest winner because he saw a big-time volume last week after week one being like, you know, right below Mike Williams and targets and tied with Hunter Henry. So I think he's the biggest winner with a Herbert. I think the running backs also are big winners because he targeted both of them uh, way more than, than Tyrod did because Tyrod likes to extend plays with his legs. I think the only pass catcher that this really hurts for sure is Mike Williams because 
Tyrod was really throwing the ball downfield a lot to Williams. We didn't see that as much from Herbert. He was going more towards Allen and Henry and the running back. So I lowered Williams a little bit, but I definitely boosted up Keenan Allen. I am right with you, too, especially on the pass catchers. I know week one, that was sort of the panic with Austin Eckler that he got just one target. And the fact that Herbert threw the ball in his direction and in Joshua Kelly's direction a lot more is certainly encouraging. We'll see how long Justin Herbert remains the starter because Anthony Lynn does seem committed to getting Tyrod back in there under center. Now, if Herbert goes out and plays well against Carolina, has another good game, I think the drum beats get louder for him to continue to start. But for the moment, it looks like the makings of a quarterback controversy in L.A. So we'll keep an eye on how things go down there for the Chargers. For the 49ers, we know they have a slew of injuries. Raheem Mostert, not likely to play. Uh, Tevin Coleman is dealing with an injury as well. Jarek McKinnon was a popular name on the waiver wire this week. But according to a report in the San Francisco Chronicle, Jeff Wilson could be the guy who sees the most action in week three against the Giants. The thinking being that Wilson is going to get some of that early down work where McKinnon is the third down pass catching back and not a guy who maybe they will hand 20 to 25 touches to. So with that now out in the atmosphere, what are your expectations for the Niners running backs against the Giants? I think I have been a little bit too low on Jeff Wilson, but I'm still expecting Jarek McKinnon to be the, the fantasy back that you want to play this week. And Marcus, I, I'll give credit where it's due. You've been on McKinnon all week before, really, I heard anyone else talking him up. And Jeff Wilson last week, despite them losing their other backs, played just 9% of the snaps. He had just two carries. I get the thinking that he could be the early down back and maybe especially used on the goal line carries, but... I think McKinnon is still the more explosive option there. I think he's the better pass catcher. And the 49ers are really going to need someone to step up in the passing game because George Kittle might sit out. It looks like Jimmy G isn't going to be playing. They're already without Debo. So that's their top pass catching options right there. So I think we may see some more dump offs to the running backs as an extension of that. And for me, McKinnon is still the play that I would go with. And he's actually in my top 20 running backs. Yeah, McKinnon was the guy that, you know, where I could, I was really trying to add him uh, in on waivers as much as possible. I had mixed success just because based on, you know, either waiver priority or, you know, being outbid uh, in, in budget leagues. So we'll see how that turns out. I will say, though, that where I couldn't get McKinnon, I did go pick up Jeff Wilson. Uh, it, it, mind you, if you go get him, keep in mind, it is a very short-term situation, right? Mostert is going to be back at some point. Coleman is going to be back at some point. So that's going to push Wilson to the background. I do think, though, that Jarek McKinnon, if you were able to grab him off waivers, has a longer-term role in this offense. He was playing better than Tevin Coleman even before the injury. And as much as Kyle Shanahan kept trying to force-feed Coleman at some point, you got to think that's going to end. And as long as McKinnon stays healthy, I think he's going to have a good role in that San Francisco offense. So if you were able to get him on waivers, hey, pat yourself on the back because there could be some long-term production there. He could be a guy that's worth holding on to and maybe making an occasional flex streamer for you if you need him in your backfield. In New Orleans, or I guess in Las Vegas, I don't know. Either way, Drew Brees did not play well for the Saints on Monday Night Football, and the whispers began that maybe Brees is washed, that maybe uh, the end is coming sooner rather than later for the Saints' longtime star. He says, I feel good, borderline great. So Florio, hearing that, that he says he feels good and taking into account the way he's played the first couple of weeks, does this make you more or less worried about Drew Brees in the Saints offense? 
It would make me more worried because if he feels great and he's still posting below 15 fantasy points in both games this year, what does a bad game look like? Like, <laughs> I, I don't, he's averaging the fewest air yards per throw amongst all quarterbacks this year. I'm not saying that like he's washed. I think this week is like the big test for him. He's at home in what could be a very high scoring game. If he flops again this week, then I think we really need to start reevaluating Drew Brees for fantasy. Yeah, I, I mean, I just wonder what happens if this turns into what I, I, I agree with you, could be a high-scoring game with him and the Packers, he and Aaron Rodgers going back and forth. You know, can they count on Drew Brees to carry this offense if he has to throw the ball 40 times, if they just can't you know, lean on Alvin Kamara uh, and, and just hand him the football? By the way, I mean, I we talk about the Minshew flop. Emmanuel Sanders was one of the big flops of the week. He and Jared Cook also just just completely vanished this past week when we thought they were primed to do big things. Uh, just real quick, I mean, is it is it Alvin Kamara and Traquan Smith? Are those the guys to lean on until Michael Thomas comes back to this offense? I think you can still trust Jared Cook, especially this week and what I'm expecting to be, again, a little bit more higher scoring because of the state of tight end, especially like if George Kittle's out. So I, I think it's that. But Emmanuel Sanders is someone that, yeah, he's been a disappointment so far. And I would be, you know, staying away from him this weekend. And, and Marcus, I will say this. I don't know if he makes them a better real life team. But Jameis Winston would make this a way more fun fantasy team. <laughs> no doubt. And, yeah, I have – I jokingly tweeted free Jameis after Breeze's <laughs> interception last week. But absolutely, if Jameis was the, the quarterback, this fantasy this, – this group for fantasy would be so much fun. Make it happen, Sean Payton, even though we know that if Drew Brees goes south, you're just going to put Taysom Hill in, and that's just going to irritate all of us. But whatever. We can dream. Uh, all right, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Another interesting Sunday of fantasy football, and I guess real football as well, coming up this week. So that leads us to some of our big questions as we head into the bulk of week three. First off, the Houston Texans offense has been a roller coaster over the first couple of weeks. Deshaun Watson, especially, he hasn't given us what I would consider to be a great game so far this season. And this week, he's got a tough matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you feel about starting Deshaun Watson, Florio? Not great. We, we saw <laughs> last week what could happen when he scored uh, fewer than 15 fantasy points against that Ravens defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers are, are just as tough. He always has that upside because, I mean, he still is Deshaun Watson, but such a brutal start to his schedule uh, early on this season. And I actually do not have him ranked as a top 12 quarterback this week. I had Garner Minshew ahead of him, so I got that one wrong. But I do think there's other options that you can go in to get away from Deshaun this week. I I will say this. I started I think I started Gardner Minshew over Deshaun Watson in a league. Uh, I was I was hyped, obviously, on Minshew mania. Then throw in the fact that I have concerns about Watson, the fact that he's been sacked eight times in the first couple games this season. And so far, no defense has gotten quarterback pressure at a higher rate than the Pittsburgh Steelers. That just made me really nervous. So I played Minshew. Uh, we'll see how much I'm regretting that come Sunday evening or Monday morning. I don't know, but uh, not a great start. But then again, uh, it looks like the options weren't particularly great for me this week. We'll see how that plays out. 
I got to ask you about your Bills because their passing game has been legit through the first two weeks. In fact, uh, no team has used four wide receivers more than the Buffalo Bills through the first two weeks of the season. So how do you feel about this passing game and what can they do, do you think, against this Rams defense? Yeah, I feel way better about it than I did even coming into the year. Like, I was big on Josh Allen for fantasy, but the reason was because of what he can do with his legs. I did not expect over 700 passing yards and seven touchdowns in the first two games of the season. I don't think there's any way he can really live up to what he did last year. But I do think if he goes out and has another solid passing game, you know, gets close to 300 passing yards, multiple passing touchdowns against a better Rams defense, that... He'll become even more trustworthy in fantasy because I think there are still some skeptics out there if this is the real Josh Allen and if we could trust him. I will say this too, though, Marcus. It is kind of a revenge game because, remember, (laughs) Jalen Ramsey had some not-so-nice things to say about Josh Allen when he got drafted. That's right. I forgot about that. You're, you are absolutely correct. So he's got he's got a chance to get some revenge on Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you know, going back the other way, by the way, this is a revenge game for Robert Woods, who was once upon a time a Buffalo Bill uh, and, and maybe has a chance to sort of show his old team what they're missing out on. Uh, I like I like the Bills passing game right now. And Josh Allen is doing his best to sort of quiet all the haters and doubters when it comes to his ability, especially to throw the football deep. We'll see if he can keep that going this week. I would say that if you want a part of the Bills passing game, though, get it early. Uh, yeah, when it when it starts getting colder, when it starts getting windier, when the weather starts getting nasty in Buffalo, I suspect it's going to be harder for them to throw the football. That's when you will see more of the running game. That's when you will see more of, of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. But right now, while the weather's still okay up there, this is the time to get on board, and Josh Allen seems to be making hay with it. We'll see if he can keep it going this week. It is certainly, a, I think, a more difficult proposition going against the, the Los Angeles Rams. Speaking of passing games, the Cowboys and Seahawks face off against one another. They've got two of the top quarterbacks in the league with Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. They are both loaded at pass catchers on both sides of this thing, the defense on both sides. Uh, as I get so excited that I kick the camera, they get so they, the defense on both sides certainly has some deficiencies. This seems great for our fantasy purposes. Who would you not start, if anybody, in this Dallas Seattle game? I would not start the defenses and like <laughs> maybe Greg Olson. Like on the Cowboys side of it, I'm starting Dak, I'm starting Zeke, I'm starting Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. I think Michael Gallup should be trusted again one more week. And I'm even starting Dalton Schultz where I was able to get him. And for the Seahawks, you know, it's Russ, Carson, Lockett, Metcalf. Because Seattle right now with 450 passing yards per game. It is just such a huge number. And both of their games have been very high scoring. I, I We saw the Cowboys last week have a very high scoring matchup. I think that this game is going to be the highest of the weekend. It's at least the, the favorite to be so right now, I would say. And uh, so much fantasy goodness coming out of this game. I would start basically everyone. I I completely agree. This is one. This is what I, I consider to be a fantasy gold mine. Right, everything is here. You mentioned Michael Gallup. He is sort of the one guy that I think people are starting to be concerned about because he hasn't had a great game so far this season. But this is an opportunity to put him back in your lineup to trust him to give him one more shot. Now, 
if things don't happen for Michael Gallup this week, then I think you start to worry a little bit and, and maybe we downgrade him and, and put him back on the bench on a more consistent basis. But this feels like an opportunity because the Seahawks have been giving up yards and points to everybody this year that Michael Gallup can sort of go off. Uh, you know, the other wide receivers, we're not so worried about the running backs. We're not too worried about. I, I got to ask you, Chris Carson, I mean, he hasn't had a huge yardage game but he's still scoring fantasy points because he's getting in the end zone and he's catching the football. I, I mean, this, look, it, maybe it's not the way we want it to be, but Florio, things seem to be working out for Chris Carson right now. Yeah, Carson is someone that I have a, a good amount of on my fantasy rosters because I thought that he was just a little bit undervalued in drafts. And so far, like you said, Marcus, like it's not the huge yardage game, not even the huge like carries yet, but they're throwing him the ball more. He is the back that they are trusting near the goal line. I think you just continue to ride it out with Chris Carson, especially this week when he could once again be racking up some catches because it's going to be such a high-scoring game. Yeah, absolutely a game to watch this week, which reminds me that you can stream live local and primetime games for free on your phone and tablet by downloading the NFL app or the Yahoo Sports app. Check that out. Uh, and hey, if you have to go out of the house for whatever reason, you can go keep up with those games on your phone. How much longer... Do we wait for the Lions running backs to kind of get themselves sorted out? Nobody has really asserted themselves in that backfield. DeAndre Swift has not given us much of anything to hold on to. Uh, you know, this seems to be on paper. I, I don't know how great of a matchup it is against the Arizona Cardinals, but uh, when do we start to lose patience with these guys back here? Right now, I am not starting any of those lines running backs. I, I really have no interest in Adrian Peterson. I've already cut Kerryon Johnson from some of my teams. DeAndre Swift, though, is the one that I continue to hold on to. He, he hasn't given us a whole lot yet, like you said, Marcus, but he does lead them in snaps this year. He leads them in targets. He's the goal line back for them, it looks like. And he scored double-digit fantasy points both weeks and has the most fantasy points of the Lions back. So I do think more opportunity is going to come his way, especially like if the Lions go out and lose to the Cardinals this week, they're sitting at 0-3. What do you get out of giving Adrian Peterson the ball? Nothing. Like, what do you get out of giving Carrion Johnson the ball? We know who he is. I think then they may have some more incentive to get Swift more involved. I am thinking that if we hit a, a decent DeAndre Swift game, it comes this week. And I, I'm, I'm basing that just sort of on what I predict the game script to be here. The Cardinals are putting up points in bunches this season. Kyler Murray is, is clicking and, and has everything humming in this offense. And I, you know, this just seems like a game where the Lions will be playing catch up or they will have to at least score a lot of points to stay in this game. That tends to bode well for Swift. As you mentioned, he is the target guy out of that backfield. He's the pass catching back there. So it seems like a game where he'll have to be on the field a lot. They will have to get him involved a lot in order to stay close. So this sort of feels like it's set up for him to have a decent game. I'm still waiting for the matchup or the situation where he has that huge true breakout game. But it also just feels like because they still want to put Peterson on the field and they still want to put on Johnson on the field, that's going to be hard for any of those guys to assert themselves. That would be one thing, Florio, if this were the Ravens, right? The Ravens can run three or four guys out there to run the football and be effective and win football games. I just feel like, and you know, tell me if I'm wrong, it feels like for the Lions, they just got to pick a guy and let that guy you know, either sink or swim. And if that doesn't work, then you switch. But I feel like you know, for Matt Patricia, you know, this, this New England Patriots rotational style thing is just not going to work well. And what I don't get is, like, why did you go out and draft DeAndre Swift and then 
bring in Adrian Peterson and just make like like you're the Lions are a team that I think they had some hype coming into this year, but realistically, they're they're probably still looking more long term than they are looking to win like win now in 2020. Like find out what you have in your young kid that you just drafted in the second round. Why give the ball to a 37 year old running back? It makes no sense to me. No, none at all. Our last big question of the week. Eddie mentioned at the start of the show the Kansas City-Baltimore game on Monday night. A fantastic way to wrap up week three. Patrick Mahomes against Lamar Jackson. I asked, you know, which guys in Dallas and Seattle that we might possibly sit. How worried should we be about all of our skill position guys in this game? I know they're both great offenses, but they're also both really good defenses. How worried should we be about our skill position guys? So when it comes to this, like I have Patrick Mahomes outside of my top five quarterbacks and I caught some flack for that on social media. He's my QB six this week. I still have Lamar <laughs> in my top five. I, I think that as good as these defenses are, these are probably the two, or if not the two best, two of the very best offenses in football. It, they may not have their normal like ceiling, but I still think like if you have Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tyreek Hill, I'll, I'll even put Marquise Brown in there, Mark Andrews, like. Travis Kelsey, all of those guys, all of those studs, I'm starting. It's the secondary pieces. Like, I would, after uh, Hill, I would not trust any of the Chiefs receivers. And really, after Andrews and Marquise Brown, I wouldn't trust anyone in the Ravens passing game. And I don't really want to play the Ravens running backs really at all right now, more than a flex, maybe. I still think Clyde Edwards Hilaire, though, you probably, if you have him, you're using him as your RB2 more than an RB1 this week, but I still think he has to be in your lineup. I think this is a situation where in more traditional and, you know, redraft leagues and in, in traditional leagues, you are playing your Chiefs and Ravens because you know, a lot of those guys you spent high draft picks on and you probably don't have a lot of better options. But I think in daily, I don't I imagine people are going to kind of shy away from them just because the matchups are not great. Uh, maybe you try somebody and you hope they hit. You hope that they get somewhere close to their ceiling. But uh, this is a week where expectations are to be tempered. And maybe this is one where. Fantasy-wise, you just put the phone down and you just watch this game and enjoy it for what it is. After it's over, maybe you, you check what your fantasy scores are. I feel like this is not a week or this is not a game particularly to obsess over what your fantasy production is going to be because yeah, it, it just might not be the video game type numbers you're used to seeing from some of these players, especially from uh, either one of these quarterbacks. Speaking of the weekend and football games and all that stuff, be sure to check out me and Florio alongside Adam Rank and Kimmy Check Sunday mornings on NFL Fantasy Game Day. We'll have all the latest injury news, stop, top starts and sits and more. So you can catch us starting at noon Eastern in the NFL Fantasy app on NFL.com and on YouTube at YouTube.com slash NFL Fantasy. It's time for Best Value presented by DraftKings. We go through the DraftKings options this week and give you the guys who could give you the most bang for your fantasy buck. We'll start at the quarterback and, you know, Florio, Ryan Tannehill is very quietly a top 10 fantasy quarterback, but it appears that his DraftKings salary has not quite caught up to that reality yet. Yeah, I don't think anyone in fantasy is really valuing Ryan Tannehill as well as he's played since he's taken over as the Titans starter. He is one game with less than 17 fantasy points as the Titans starting quarterback. So that's a super safe floor. And I think his ceiling is even higher this week against a Vikings defense that has allowed the six most passing yards per game. They've already allowed five passing touchdowns. That's towards the top of the league as well. I think it's a solid matchup. And 
he sneakily can add some points with his legs if they let him. So I think at his DraftKings price, he's just a really good value. You know, the thing about Ryan Tannehill that hasn't really caught on is the whole, you know, Ryan Tannehill used to be a wide receiver at Texas A&M narrative. Like, it's not <laughs> it's not on the level of the Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard or Jimmy Graham used to play basketball. But, you know, Ryan Tannehill used to be a wide receiver at Texas A&M. So, yeah, he is, <laughs> he is not unfamiliar with running with the football in his hands. Uh, I'm going to go back to the well with Baker Mayfield, who, like, I know there seems to be a cycle. In fact, I saw this on social media. The cycle of Baker is... You know, he plays bad. He gets criticized by the media. He has the underdog mentality. He beats an inferior opponent. Rinse, repeat. So uh, he got to the beats an inferior opponent last week after lighting up the Cincinnati Bengals. But this week, I know that Washington maybe is not as bad as they have been in the past, but you can still sort of throw the football on them. They are very tough to run against with that defensive front that they have. But they do have some deficiencies in the secondary. We know that the Browns have upgraded their offensive line. There's more pass protection there for Baker and Mayfield. This could be a week where Baker goes out and has another productive game for the Cleveland Browns and for fantasy. Uh, I'm not saying that you should sit uh, Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt in your, your traditional leagues because, look, I think they're still going to get the ball. But I do have a feeling that Baker Mayfield can come through and, and give you some decent production, especially considering uh, his salary on DraftKings this week is, is 5700 Running backs, uh, we're going with the kids. I mean, Joshua Kelly has been a pleasant surprise for us this year, even for the people who I think stand for him, Florio. Uh, I think that he has, he has even exceeded those expectations. Yeah, I would completely agree. I mean, he had 25 touches in week two. I was someone who liked Eckler and Kelly coming into the year. I did not think Kelly was going to see that kind of volume, especially in week two. But I think this is a great week for him. He's playing the Carolina Panthers. That right there means start him in fantasy. The Panthers are allowing the most fantasy points to running backs so far this year, and it's not really that close. That's after allowing the most to the position last year. They allowed Josh Jacobs to be the RB1 in week one. They allowed the Bucks running backs to combine for almost 40 fantasy points with both catching, uh, both scoring a touchdown in week two. And the touches near the goal line are going to Josh Kelly. So I think that this is a game where Kelly could be used to kind of grind out the clock late. And I would not be surprised if he scored a touchdown or even two this week. The two things that I have learned, or two of the things I have learned, one, start your running backs against the Panthers, and two, Josh Kelly is the new Melvin Gordon. Austin Eckler stays Austin Eckler. Josh Kelly becomes Melvin Gordon. And so maybe we sort of undervalued what his role would be in Los Angeles. I'm going to go with Devin Singletary this week. And I'm a guy who likes Devin Singletary. I just want the Bills to like him as much as <laughs> I like him. And it seems like it's going to happen this week. Zach Moss has been ruled out of this week's game against the Rams because of that toe injury that popped up during the week. So that means Singletary is going to get a whole lot of work. Uh, the other guys behind him in that Buffalo backfield, TJ Yeldon, Taiwan Jones, you know, maybe they get on the field occasionally to give Singletary a break. But it feels like this is going to be his backfield in week three. I like the opportunity against a Rams run defense. It's been so-so to start the year, but I just think this is the volume we're going to that we we really really want from him. Hopefully, this means he gets some looks at the goal line. Although in reality, it probably just means that Josh Allen is going to run a couple <laughs> more touchdowns in. But I'm willing to take the chance that this is the Devin Singletary week we have been waiting for. I'm I'm going to ask you as the Bills fan, am I am I crazy for feeling this way? I don't know because. 
Allen has been throwing to the to the running backs more than we had anticipated coming into the year. And Zach Moss was kind of eating into that a bit without him there. I think it all goes to Singletary. The big question, and I don't have an answer for it, is the goal line work. Like, I think that he should be the goal line back this week with Moss out, but the Bills just never seem to want to use him in that way. They just don't. It frustrates me, but we'll see. <laughs> Maybe it will change this week. Moving on to wide receiver, we talked about the Dallas and Seattle game, so really not a surprise that you'd pick uh, one of the receivers in that one. Yeah, I love C.D. Lamb right now. Like, I think that he has leapfrogged Michael Gallup as the number two pass catcher in this offense. He has seen more targets than Gallup in each of the first two games, and he has ran the second most routes out of the slot, played the most snaps of any player out of the slot this year. And the Seahawks, who allow over 450 receiving yards per game, also happen to allow the most fantasy points to players lined up in the slot this year. I think it is a dream matchup for CeeDee Lamb. I'm thinking he catches his first touchdown this week. And I, I think this is going to be better than his first two games combined. Like, not combined, but his first two games. I think this is his real breakout. Welcome to the NFL game. I kept saying this offseason that Michael Gallup was sort of the Jan Brady of, of fantasy football. He was sort of getting overlooked. <laughs> and I was hoping that maybe this would cause him to break out. But no, it appears that that really is the case. I mean, it is Amari Cooper and it's CeeDee Lamb. And then Michael Gallup is just sort of like, ah, what am I going to do? So uh, I think this is a week, though, to keep an eye on him. If it doesn't happen this week, then we really do have to sort of reevaluate what we think about him. I'm going to stay in the NFC East, and I'm going to go with Darius Slayton with the New York football Giants. And uh, this has to do in so many respects with injuries. I like Slayton, and I think he and Daniel Jones work well together, but Sterling Shepard just went on injured reserve. We know Saquon Barkley is gone for the rest of the year. Uh, you know, you hope Evan Ingram steps up, but the Giants are going to need playmakers. And Eddie mentioned it at the top of the show. They are going to be more pass-heavy probably this week as they still try to figure out their running game, having just brought in Devontae Freeman. On the flip side, I know that we tend to avoid the 49ers' defense, but they've lost a lot up front with their pass rush and having guys injured like Nick Bosa being out now. Uh, Richard Sherman is on injured reserve, so that takes a big chunk out of their secondary. So you know, the Niner defense is still good. Maybe not, though, as good as it would normally be if it were at full strength. So I think Darius Slayton sees a lot of work and very quietly could have a nice game against the 49ers. All right, tight end. Marcus, too. Yeah. I was going to say, to that point, Evan, uh, the Niners have allowed one catch to tight ends this year. So if they can take out Evan Ingram, it's even more work for Darius Slayton. Even more work for Slayton. Uh, speaking of tight ends, you talked about Dalton Schultz and starting him in as many places as you could. DraftKings looks like one of those places, huh? Yeah, I think he's a good value. I mean, he came kind of out of nowhere in week two and led this team with 10 targets. And we keep talking about this game between the Cowboys and the Seahawks and how we're expecting a lot of points and a lot of yardage. If he gets anywhere close to 10 targets, he can do a lot of damage with them. So uh, I'm just, you know, really loving this game and hoping that he sees close to the similar volume that he got last week. Uh, seeing what Dal uh, Dalton Schultz has done in the last week plus, uh, you, you, you pour a little out for Blake Jarwin because this would have been his opportunity, right? For all of us, and look, Adam Rank was chief among us when it came to hyping up Blake Jarwin this year. Uh, you look at what Schultz is doing and you think, wow, uh, Blake Jarwin really was set up for a huge season. Unfortunately for him, it's not going to happen. But 
if you got Schultz, uh, here's a chance to sort of take advantage of it. I'm going to Logan Thomas here with the Washington football team taking on the Cleveland Browns. The Browns have struggled against the tight end position in the first two weeks of the season. And for as much as we talk about Terry McLaurin, understandably so, uh, Logan Thomas has an equal target share through the first couple of weeks. They are looking for him in this, this offense. They, they are in need of pass catchers there, right? They need guys who can get down the field and catch the football. Logan Thomas appears to be one of them. So I think that he's going to have a really good week against Cleveland. And I think with the drafting salary being at 3700 you can go and spend in other places, still slide in Logan Thomas and hope for a pretty good target share. Finally, the defenses. Uh, and uh, you're going with Arizona. Not a surprise picking on the Detroit offense right now, huh? Yeah, the Detroit offense just – it it really isn't clicking. Matt Stafford's been a big disappointment for the first two weeks. So is Marvin Jones. So is all those running backs. So I know they may get Kenny Galladay back this week, but he could see a lot of Patrick Peterson. And the, the Lions are just in the top five in fantasy points allowed to defenses. I think it's just a matchup where I know they cost – you know, I mean, not a whole lot. They're not a super cheap defense, but – I think it's worth paying up a little bit and just picking on a bad offense right now. Well, speaking of sort of paying up a little bit, I'm going with the Buccaneers, who are even a little bit pricier than the Cardinals this week. I think Tampa Bay, their defense has been pretty good so far this season. They have been put in some bad situations on occasion. But uh, this is not a defense that you can sort of pick on anymore the way we did in the past. So uh, I like their opportunity this week. I think it's worth sort of maybe spending a little bit more on a defense to get that potential production, especially against a Denver team that is dealing with a lot of injuries. We know no Drew Locke. Uh, we know no Cortland Sutton for the rest of the year. So I think that that it's going to be a good opportunity to get them in. Real quick, though, before we hit the break, George Kittle has been ruled out this week, so we know that he's not going to be available. Uh, we talked about Jarek McKinnon and him as a pass catcher, but uh, as we talked about tight ends just a moment ago, Jordan Reed looked really good last week. Would you give him a shot in dailies or even in deeper fantasy leagues if you need a tight end? Yeah, I think so, because, again, someone is going to have to step up for this this Niners passing offense. I would have Reed below both of the tight ends that we just talked about because I really like your Logan Thomas call as well. Um, but I do think Jordan Reed is in play if those guys have already been picked up. Just something to keep an eye on. I, I advocated a couple weeks ago maybe picking him up. Didn't think he would be getting as much opportunity as he has, but if you were able to go get him or if you were really hurting for a tight end, I'm sure he's available in plenty of fantasy leagues. Let's find the best of the pack presented by Panini Trading Cards. Every week we go through three three players, three cards in a pack of trading cards and uh, get the best players we can find. And we talk about what their prognosis might be for the weekend. So we will start with Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings. And you know, week one looked pretty good for Adam Thielen. Week two, not so much. Kirk Cousins really, really struggled in that Week 2 game for Minnesota. So because of what we saw from Kirk Cousins, how worried should we be about this Vikings passing game and Thielen in particular? I'm worried about everyone but Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook on this Vikings team. Like, Adam Thielen coming into Week 3 was still seeing 53% of the air yards in Minnesota. That was the highest mark in the NFL. Still averaging 8 targets per game. That's enough volume, I think, where he can live up to you know, be a wide receiver one most weeks. I do not know what is going on with Kirk Cousins right now. And last week was awful to see. But we saw the other side of that coin in week one. Like they were trailing late and Adam Thielen just ate because they were just heaving the ball downfield to him. So I'm not worrying too much yet about Adam Thielen, but the rest of that Vikings offense, I'm completely out on. 
Yeah, I, you know, I went into the offseason or this uh, draft season saying that I thought Justin Jefferson was going to be the top rookie wide receiver in fantasy. That looks like it's completely out the window at this point. Adam Thielen is going to get the bulk of the targets. And with the Vikings defense not being so great, they could be in a lot of high scoring games. It could be in a situation where they have to play from behind. So that volume alone should sort of keep Thielen's fantasy production afloat even if Kirk Cousins does not play well for most of the season. Garbage points still count, and uh, Adam Thielen might end up being one of the kings of garbage time if things continue this way. All right, Odell Beckham Jr. He's the next guy up in our Best of the Pack segment this week. Week two, OBJ got in the end zone, all of fantasy Twitter saying hallelujah, and we kind of patted ourselves on the back and said, hey, maybe we were too soon to panic on OBJ, but really – he had fewer catches in week two than he did in week one. Was this truly the start of something big, or did they just take advantage of a bad defense? I hope it is the start of something big for him. I think it can be, but I'm not, like, I don't have a bunch of confidence in that prediction or anything because we've seen flashes of Odell last year. He, he's flashed multiple times. We know how talented he is. My concern isn't really about Odell. My concern is more with Baker Mayfield and this Browns offense. I think they want to be a heavy run attack, at least early in games that they're able to. And because of that, I think he will be a little bit up and down this year. But I think he is still a high-end wide receiver, too. I think so, too. This is a difference, though, from a few years ago when he was a locked-in for real elite fantasy wide receiver. That has changed since he has gotten to Cleveland. I mentioned earlier that I like Baker Mayfield's opportunity against Washington this week and a chance to maybe do some things against his secondary. That hopefully involves getting Odell Beckham Jr. involved in this whole thing. But I'm sort of with you. I think he's going to be a lot more volatile week to week, especially just because of the number of guys that can catch the football there. Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, even Nick Chubb, Austin Hooper, David Njoku won't be gone forever. There are guys who can catch the football there, and that is going to have a big impact on what OBJ can be on a week-to-week basis. So you just have to sort of prepare for that volatility. The third in the pack, well, Tulio Jones, you're not seeing him because you're not seeing him at practice. He's really been dealing with a hamstring injury. He is a game-time decision for the Falcons this week in their game against the Chicago Bears. But before we do about this issue, people were starting to panic on Julio because he had a bad week too. So Florio, what do you say to people who are a little bit concerned about Julio Jones right now? I'd pull like an Aaron Rodgers and say, relax. Like (laughs) Julio Jones went for nine for 150 yards, nine catches, 150 yards in week one. Like we weren't worrying even in the slightest about him after week one. So this is who Julio Jones is, though. He's an absolute elite wide receiver, one of the best in the game. But he is going to have some huge blow-up weeks. And then he's going to have some weeks where you're just left scratching your head. This has been who he's been for years. The only, I guess, slight concern with him is Calvin Ridley looks like a legitimate breakout wide receiver. So maybe he lowers Julio's value just a little bit. But Julio Jones is still going to be a wide receiver one, in my opinion, when all is said and done. We have this conversation every year, it feels like, right? (laughs) Like Julio has like a game where he only gets you like 30 receiving yards and everybody sort of panics. Like, what do I do with Julio? Do I trade him? Do I drop him? What am I going to do? And like, you don't do anything. Like there's a reason (laughs) this guy every year gets drafted, like, you know, late first, early second round. And every year, you know, you're going to get like about 100 catches. You're going to get about 1,400 yards. That's fine. That's what we want from Julio. So he had a bad game in week two. Don't panic. As long as he's healthy, 
you're going to roll with Julio Jones. Now, you know, just keep an eye on the injury reports as we get to Sunday, and we'll see what happens when the inactives come out. But when you have a healthy Julio Jones, you really don't have anything to worry about. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, the NFL, NFL Players Association, and Players Coalition together launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities through exercising the right to vote. Join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com slash votes to learn more. All right, this week on Ask a Nerd, we asked our pal Matt Okada about quarterbacks who run. This is what he had for us. Welcome back. Rushing quarterbacks mean fantasy goodness. None more than these five names. Here are the top quarterback fantasy seasons of the last two decades based on rushing stats alone. At number five, we've got Offensive Rookie of the Year, Robert Griffin III in 2012. RG3 rocketed into the NFL with 815 yards and seven touchdowns for a total of 123.5 fantasy points on the ground alone. Did I mention he was a rookie? At number four is former Panther, now Patriot, Cam Newton in his 2015 MVP campaign. Newton led all quarterbacks in fantasy scoring that season, thanks in no small part to 636 yards and 10 touchdowns of the rushing variety, good for 123.6 fantasy points, a tenth of a point ahead of Griffin. Blazing into the number three spot is the guy who made running QBs cool, Michael Vick. In 2002, Vick ran for 777 yards and 8 TDs as a second-year pro, and his 126 fantasy points as a runner boosted him to the QB3 that season. Coming in second is a man making his second appearance on our list. Cam Newton set the single-season rushing touchdown record for quarterbacks with his 14 scores as a rookie in 2011. He combined that feat with 706 yards for a total of 155 fantasy points with his feet, and a QB3 finish that year. And finally, the man you've probably all been waiting for, at number one, who else but Lamar Jackson. In 2019, Jackson set the single-season rushing yards record for QBs with 1,206 and added seven touchdowns to finish with a cool 159 rushing fantasy points and the top spot in fantasy. We'll see if 2020 brings a new member to the list like Kyler Murray or whether Cam can make it a three-peat. Until then, this has been Ask a Nerd, and may the fantasy points be with you. Oh, our own mustache here on the Fantasy Football Show brings it each and every week. So far, we have not had a bad performance uh, from our own mustache guy, Matt Okada. He mentioned Kyler Murray there in that one, and through two weeks, Florio Kyler is on pace to break Lamar Jackson's single-season quarterback rushing record. Uh, I know it's you know on-pace stats are fun to talk about. Rarely do they come through, but with what you've seen – does Kyler have a legit shot at the record this year? Does he have a legit shot? I think so. Will he do it? No. I mean, he has the ability to put up a rushing season like they did last year, but I think that we're going to see more passing coming out of Kyler Murray. He's yet to throw multiple passing touchdowns in the game this year. Uh, so, But what I'm hoping, Marcus, is that this becomes more and more common, right? Like that we see quarterbacks just putting up big time rushing numbers not just you know doing it when no one's open like design runs and everything because it is so hard to stop some of these rushing quarterbacks yeah absolutely i mean because what it does is it forces the defense to actually play 11 on 11 when you have a guy who stands back there in the pocket and doesn't move you're playing 11 on 10 defensively you have that advantage now suddenly you've got a guy that can move 
you've got to pay attention to him. It is what I think made Patrick Mahomes even more dangerous in the playoffs last year because he started to run the football. And so suddenly, uh, if you're a defensive back, you, you it's hard. You have to turn your back to kind of chase those wide receivers. And in the meantime, that gives Mahomes the ability to take off and run down the field with the football. Now, you look last year at the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks and – Seven of those 10 had at least 250 rushing yards. So that kind of says that you do have to run in order to be a, a, a good fantasy quarterback, a productive fantasy quarterback, but it is not impossible. Who do you think are some of the quote unquote non-rushing QBs that could end up in the top 10 this year? Yeah, if you can't run, I likely do not want you on my fantasy roster, but there's some <laughs> expect- uh, exceptions. And one I think is Matt Ryan, like, we're already seeing the big-time passing volume that he's going to give us each week. He's probably going to be trailing often this year. And the other, I think, is Aaron Rodgers because he just seems to be on this revenge tour that Adam Rank has you know, been hyping up before <laughs> anyone, so lots of credit to him. But he's throwing the ball a lot, too, this year. If you're not running the ball, you need to have a lot of pass attempts and a high touchdown percentage So like, maybe Big Ben can also fit that bill, but there's not a lot of non-rushing quarterbacks I think that can finish top 10. Yeah, you mentioned two that I think could do it. I think Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers are top of the list. Yeah, it's not too late for Ben to turn it around, although his, his passing numbers have been sort of meh the first couple of weeks of the season. It hasn't been what I thought it would be coming out. Maybe it just, you know, he needs some sort of time to, to kind of get back into things, but uh, that could certainly happen. But Rodgers and Ryan, I think, are legit. But otherwise... You see why the quarterbacks who can run are coming off the board first. There's a reason that people were clamoring for Lamar Jackson in the early rounds because, uh, as the fantasy guru Rich Rebar said so many years ago, quarterbacks who run are like a cheat code. That's something that you want on your roster in as many places as you can get. All right. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember – When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.